0: The Slam the Gabble, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petri. I have a return guest on. I have Stacy. She was last on the podcast November 18th, 2022, season three, episode 155, where she spoke out on the importance of court watchers as witnesses to the court corruption, of course, in family court. And... um we're going to talk about an update, and Stacy is back on to the podcast, so I welcome you.
1: <clears throat> Hi, Miriam. Thank you for inviting me so much. I appreciate it, I appreciate- um, and I thank you for your dedication to the cause and all that you do and how you bring things to light for people and are a um, very important layer of transparency to what's happening in our system. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you. <laughs> So much. So,
1: <laughs> well, well deserved. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So the it, last time um, that I was on, um, I think at that point, um, the message was basically um, that the courts. Um, Called me a vexatious litigant, and um, that I filed meritless and frivolous petitions, and that was based on the fact that, uh, well, the 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 Supreme Court judge went through and and read all the applications that were filed to the case, and gave the docket number and number of pages, but really didn't give any review of what was the content of the application. So there was like this review that was supposed to imply that there was so much filed to the case. Um, And he mentioned three motions in particular that he referred to that were his basis for precluding me from filing. One of them was for the previous judge to recuse for cause or just be disqualified for cause. And that judge stepped down. So I would say that that was not a frivolous, meritless, application because the judge in fact stepped down. Um, one application was for custody because the father of my children let my 13 year old daughter sleep with her 13 year old boyfriend without direct supervision. And she did say that he did hurt her. Um, and the other application was to vacate orders from the disqualified judge. So I don't think that there's anything that any you know, normal litigant wouldn't ask for. Um, And I think the judge stepping down is proof of a meritorious application. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, what it truly felt like for me was retaliation for asking the prior judge to step down. And my ex is a court official himself in the same courts. So it was also uh, perceived by me as a favor to my ex, um, to silence me. And that was an order of the judge in January of 2022. And in about July of 2022, just regardless of the fact that he ordered that I'm precluded from filing, I filed an order to show cause for custody again, because of, um, things that were happening in the household of my ex with my children. And um, police were involved. My daughter called me saying she wasn't feeling safe at her father's house. Um, She recalled being abused sexually as a child um, on the phone. And this was witnessed by um, a woman that was at my house for dinner. And she supplied an affidavit to that effect. And I filed that order to show cause for custody. And the judge put a little letter to it saying, you're precluded from filing. I'm not going to entertain this. And that um, same application and the substance contained in that application was the basis for four CPS indications against my ex. Hmm. And when I received the letter saying that he was indicated by CPS, I again asked the judge, Can you please do, you know, a hearing on this order to show cause because now it's the basis of four CPS indications. And um, he held this conference and just yelled at me the whole time. And I said, well, your honor, I'm a physician assistant. Uh, Can I at least take my kids to the doctor? Cause he won't even let me take my kids to the doctor. And he says, no, I'm not giving you any relief because technically this is an order to show cause. And that means nothing's technically before me. And I don't know the details of the circumstances. Well, I'm a physician assistant of 23 years. And one of the four indications was lack of medical care. Mm -hmm. So right now my children are still in the custody of a medically negligent parent. And I'm a physician assistant in our community for the past 23 years so i said Uncle. to the judge who um was being intemperate with me i said okay um, i think this is better dealt with in family court because um you know the children have competing interests um you know one son is violent on the other sisters um and there's some differences in um what they want. And so this is better handled in family court where the kids can each be individually represented by attorneys. And I can't afford to pay for, you know, several attorneys for children. So maybe this is better handled in family court. And the judge said, okay, send it to family court. There's technically nothing before me. So I go to family court. And what does my ex say to the family court judge? Mm -hmm. She's precluded from filing. So she shouldn't be allowed to file here too. So um, The interesting thing that happened is all Niagara County in New York, all Niagara County Family Court judges uh, recused themselves from my case because they're all familiar with my ex. So they brought in a visiting judge. But this case before the visiting judge I've come to find is all bogus. Uh, He said on September 30th, he was going to appoint the same attorney for children that's been on the Supreme Court cases. And I objected to that because that same attorney for children put in his own affirmation, he's unable to provide my children with effective assistance of counsel. I said, you can't appoint him. He's already supplied an affidavit. He can't be effective assistance of counsel. So what this visiting judge did was he created an order appointing the same attorney for children over my objection but never signed it and never served it. So there was never an attorney for children. My children's interests were never represented in my petition for an order of protection and for custody. Then um, what else did he do? He, um, Oh, then my ex and his counsel lied to the visiting judge that, um, the case was still being heard in Supreme Court and that then res judicata applies because you can't litigate the same case in two different venues. And um, I supplied transcript from the hearing with the Supreme Court judge where he said he agreed the case should be handled in family court. But the visiting judge either made an error and listened to my ex's and his counsel's lies, that it was still being litigated in Supreme court, or um, he just went along with that to do my ex and um, his counsel a favor. Mm -hmm. So the decision in order is that um, this is being both litigated at the present in Supreme court, as well as family court. Therefore he's dismissing my petition. So that's a long story, but um, anyway, um, at this point, Niagara, I have had eight to nine Niagara County judges recused or disqualified for cause from my case. And I have all Niagara County family court judges having been recused for my case. So I uh, filed for custody and an order of protection in Erie County, New York family court. And that case is now active. And um, so I was able to finally change venues Um, and um, so that's a huge change in my case that I'm finally out of the Niagara County courts where my ex regularly practices uh, Formerly, as a a CPS attorney for Niagara County and currently as a Niagara County public defender. And I know that they'll come in to the Erie County Family Court case and say she's precluded from filing. And they're also going to say um, this has already been litigated. But it's never been litigated because all Article 6 and Article 8 petitions in family court must have a full and fair evidentiary fact-finding hearing. And that's because that's what's in the children's best interest. So they can't keep refusing to litigate my um, application for custody with four brand new CPS indications. So hopefully now I being in a new forum, I'll finally receive a fair trial for my children. The other thing that I did was, um, I filed, uh, my own civilian criminal complaint against my ex. And, um, he has four indications for child abuse and maltreatment and nobody's doing anything about it they're just leaving my kids with him and um, that meets the standard for child uh, child endangerment charge in New York State so hopefully that will receive a fair hearing as well
0: do you know when that well you probably don't know when that's going to be scheduled (laughs)
1: No, because I'm sure it's floating through everyone's hands and this person recusing that person recusing and being sent here and being sent there. So I don't even know what court it'll be heard in yet. Um, I've hinted that it probably should be Erie County because that's where now the family court proceedings are. Mm -hmm. So this is the glitch. Um, I don't know, you know, you you have listeners all over, but um, in um, New York State, the cps program manual when when you're dealing with somebody who is a conflict of interest or they call them sensitive cases in new york state um if there, um if if there's a potential conflict of interest even the appearance of impropriety for them to maintain an investigation it needs to be referred out to a neighboring county and um So in this instance, Erie County is who indicated my ex. But the interesting thing is, is once there's an indication, they send it back to the home district, Mm. Niagara County, where my ex works regularly and knows all the judges. So that's why they have not done a neglect petition because it's back to his own hometown where he's a regularly practicing attorney. And they are not doing or commencing a neglect petition when he has four CPS indications. Because I'm probably willing to bet most people listening to this, if anyone has four CPS indications, the spouse has the kids, the ex-spouse, the other parent.
0: That's terrible.
1: And I've called the county attorney. I've called the CPS um, social services attorneys. I've demanded that they... Um, refer the case out to another county, another CPS. I recorded them, and that is on my um, Facebook group. I recorded them saying that they could, but they're not going to. Hmm. Because there is current, there's more. Oh, I should tell you, there's more CPS indications or CPS investigations since the four indications. There's more investigations, and now Niagara County has insisted on maintaining those investigations as well.
0: Which isn't really going to happen, since he's an attorney there.
1: They're doing it, so mm-hmm. it shouldn't be happening, but it is. And when they maintained investigations in the past, my kids disclosed choking, strangulation, stopping breathing, and Niagara County CPS said that that was appropriate caregiving, appropriate caregiver and no safety concerns. So that's how they handled cases in the past. So the precedent is that they're not gonna handle anything with integrity now, Mm -hmm. and certainly they're not because my kids are still in the father's custody when there's four CPS indications.
0: I don't know what to say. This is just absolutely uh, a miscarriage, an intense, gross miscarriage of justice, which I don't know. I don't think it exists anymore. Justice, right. Yeah. Unbelievable.
1: Uh. So I started, um, I started an appeal on the family court ruling where there was no attorney for children ever assigned, except for there was a, there was a hearing at the end on November 22nd. And then he, the judge did make a signed order for the attorney for children on November 7th, but that was with a letter being received by the court that he was going the attorney for children was going to be out of the country on November 22nd. So my kids had absolutely no attorney for children. So I um, started an appeal. I pretty much have it done. Um, and my, my old appeal, I called it my shut your mouth appeal when Judge Daniel Furlong told me to shut my mouth and fined me $1,000 and um, put me in contempt, which was vacated. This appeal, I'm calling, what was I saying? I was going to call it um, child abuse silenced and precluded from court.
0: You know, well, the court is aiding and abetting this child abuse. Yes,
1: yes, they're aiding and abetting. Um, right now, Niagara County CPS and the um, attorneys are guilty of, or very, very strongly appears that they are guilty of child endangerment mm-hmm. because the father has four CPS indications, and they are failing to do a neglect petition and take the kids out. So they're knowingly, willingly leaving my children to experience further unnecessary child abuse and maltreatment.
0: You know, a lot of people say, how can these people sleep at night? And, you know, they make so much money. They sleep pretty well at night. It's just, dis- it's just disgusting. They're, they're more,
1: they're more worried about their reputations and, um, immediate gratification because if they really looked at the totality of the circumstances and looked into the future, this is not, not going to make any of them look good and I'll be sure of it too. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I have heard there are kids coming forward to sue the family court. Yes. Yeah.
1: I reserve commenting on that because um, I wouldn't want my children withheld from me just because they want to minimize their exposure to litigation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is what I think they're doing. mm.
0: that you know but they need their mother there's all this talk about shared parenting but you're being targeted to not see your kids being called vexatious litigious just like i was but and um you're just being you know held hostage from your own children
1: yeah sorry Substantiated child abuse allegations is not vexatious litigation. Right. I'm pretty sure the courts are not designed to prevent parents from getting into court for hearings, full and fair evidentiary hearings on child abuse when there are substantiated abuse allegations. And now we're just talking one, two, three, we're talking four and ongoing investigations. Because I can tell you, when my kids were at my house over Christmas, my twin daughters slept from 10 p.m. to 4 p.m. every day. And I was like, something's wrong.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And not only did they do that, but then two days later when I picked them up from their father's house at like 5.30 p.m., they still wouldn't wake up. And then they eventually did. They were sleeping. You don't need to be sleeping at 5.30 p.m. when you just slept a whole week from 10 p.m. to 4 p.m. Mm -hmm. So the pediatrician ordered blood work, but not complete blood work. I'm a physician assistant. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, their vitamin D levels for both my girls came back between 12 and 14. And the normal range is from 30 to hundred. So they're very severely vitamin D deficient. Vitamin D deficiency can explain a lot of their symptoms. They, they both have headaches. They both are experiencing hypersomnia. Um, and um, there's some other symptoms that they're both having. And then um Uh, But no other vitamin levels are checked. Vitamin B12, their nutrition status isn't checked with like a pre-albumin level. Um, My one daughter had a low potassium. So you wonder about their magnesium levels and things that are necessary for how your heart conducts and your heart rate. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, they both have a BMI of between 16 and 17, which is low. Um, They both are between... 80 and 90 pounds and they're 13 years old, mm. they're malnourished. And, um, that should be alarming to most people when the father has four other CPS indications for educational neglect, lack of medical care and inadequate guardianship, but my kids are still there. And I have no history of mental health problems. I'm gainfully employed. I own my own house. I don't smoke. I don't do illicit drugs. I rarely ever drink.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no reason.
0: Mm-mm. Well, you definitely are a target when they just, I mean, this is a pretty big case.
1: It's It's been going on for a very long time. Um, One thing I would tell other parents in my situation, um, if they're considering filing for divorce when their spouse is well-known within the courts that is the supposed jurisdiction, is file in another jurisdiction. Don't file in the home district. Because if my attorney from onset did that, I wouldn't have had to spend the time, money, and resources. We're talking 10 years to recuse eight to nine judges to prove that Niagara County has shed jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. And that costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So don't file in the same courts that your opponent is well-known in. File in another jurisdiction and when you explain to the new jurisdiction when there is a when there is a hearing on the matter of jurisdiction, they can't send you back to a conflict of interest jurisdiction. And had my attorney started me in a different jurisdiction, I think all these problems would have been at least less. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. But who would think of that? I mean, I didn't even think of that. Attorneys attorneys should think of that.
1: That's what they're paid for.
0: But they want to make all this conflict. They do. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They do. How often do you get your kids?
1: So, um, I get my twins every other weekend, every Wednesday, the older two, the orders that they can come as they wish. Cause they're 16. Um, that's also a bad order, but it was never properly filed or served to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, the, the appellate court has ruled if a judge ever says that the kid can come over on their own free will whenever they decide that's equivalent to having ordering no access at all. Um, so, but, but that order was actually technically never filed to the case or served to me because there's been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of monkeying with my, um, court record a lot, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of things, you know, that's the other thing is, you know, people need to, um, watch over their own docket
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because, material things are definitely withheld from my docket. Um, All of all of my documents marked for evidence are not filed.
0: Well, you know, and who would know to do that when you're in the the throes of this horrible family court system, and you're stressed out? I mean, I I mean, I, I couldn't even think straight. It wasn't until I had my win in Superior Court that I had to go to another attorney to actually go back to the lower court. Cause I just, I couldn't do it uh, physically after what I, I had been through. And she said, do you know there's things missing from your docket? It's like, I, I wouldn't know.
1: The, the, the sad thing is, is probably most people who are listening to your show are people that are in the same boat as you and me. Um, and so will they get this message? Mm-hmm. Right. But, You know, everybody listening to though, you know, their friends might come to them and say, you know, this is going on in my home and, you know, and, and tell your friends to be very careful if they're opposing, if their opponent is well known in those courts file in another jurisdiction and watch your docket. Everybody should watch their docket. It's doc, it's information about them relevant to them. There should be no secrecy about what's in your docket.
0: Right. I think they do that to muddy the waters. Well, if they definitely,
1: know. they definitely did that in my case because, like I said, all the documents admitted into evidence are missing from the official court record. And I happen to know I watched uh, my ex's attorney walk off with some of it. But does anyone do anything? No. And um, I filed a motion for the attorney for children to uh, withdraw and. Um, the judge withheld that document the affidavit and support from the um from the docket um many many of my motions are missing orders are missing subpoenas that i had signed are missing um you know um like the orders i was just telling you that we have no valid orders for uh, access and visitation because the judge never signed them and they were never filed to the case and in fact Um, I brought it to their attention, but they never fixed it, but they even have the wrong case index number on them. It's intentional. It's not, it's not by accident. This is intentional because I asked them to fix it and they didn't.
0: Isn't that fraud on the court?
1: Yeah, Mm. it's fraud on the court, but nobody cares. So when nobody cares and nobody does anything, then what? Because the, um, you know the the it's eighteen USC two zero seven one concealing documents from the um, official government records. It's a crime, mm-hmm. but it's pedestrian.
0: It's like there's no uh, redress. There's no justice. It's do you see? Any justice in the future? I hate to ask, you know, because, I mean, it, it, it took so long for me to even get some type of justice still wasn't good enough.
1: Well. He is indicated four times.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm
1: sure they're going to try and get rid of his indications in some special way, Um but there's more investigations, but of course his former employer is maintaining those investigations.
0: Mm.
1: But I don't make it easy for them. Mm.
0: No, I wouldn't either.
1: So I've sent complaints to the ethics committees in town. Um, I filed the civilian criminal complaint against my ex. Um, there is a lot more tricks in my bag Mm -hmm. and I'm giving people each step of the way, the chance to be honest Mm -hmm. and each step of the way, if they're not, there's more tricks in my bag and they're coming. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I know you probably obviously don't want to divulge them here because that would ruin the surprise. that's correct. That's correct.
1: But the, but, but you know what I do, they all had their chance. Yeah. They all had their chance and I was patient and I gave them their chance. And I know they'll be watching this and they had their chance.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And they blew it.
1: They're blowing it. There's still a lot of chances I'm giving right now. Because there's more things that I'll do. They're not. And I, I'm not making threats like, oh, she's going to do this or that. I'm talking legally.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Legal remedy.
0: Oh, I knew that's definitely what you were talking about. I know you. I'm just so. being
1: clear about that. Yeah. But yes, it's what I've always done. Mm-hmm. I've not. I've never resorted to violence. hmm.
0: What a thing to have to go through, you know, like, like how how we say at our age, why do we have to go through this? And then our kids going through this, you know, when we watch them suffer, it's just, it takes a toll on parents, too. Very upsetting. Very
1: upsetting. Very upsetting when I see my girls sleeping from 10 p.m. to 4 p.m. And I literally had to wake them up to do stuff. It wasn't like, okay, we slept from 10 p.m. to 4 p.m. Let's go. We're ready now. This was like, all right, guys, get up because it's 4 p.m. Oh, We're man. gonna do something. And and oh. and and like, this was like catching flies. This was not like, you know, this yeah. was not rolling. You know, tossing and turning and oh.
0: How unfair for them. You know, their their time spent with you is, is sleeping.
1: Yes. They are all failing to thrive, educationally, mm-hmm. emotionally, and physically. Yeah. And they're leaving them there. And there's no reason. Mm-mm.
0: You know, so you're with a visiting judge still, or with someone? No, you were still with someone different.
1: No, so that's that. That's the message too. Um, when you've had all judges recused from your venue, when if they assign a visiting judge, it's the same thing. Because then the visiting judge comes in from out of town, but who is all the same? Mm-hmm. All the court officials are the same. The court staff, they're all the same people. They're not changed, but they all have conflicts too. Mm-hmm. So the what I've found is the appointment of a visiting judge is no different than having all the same judges you had before. Once the judges have all recused, that county has shed jurisdiction, move on.
0: I found that too when my judge died. Sometimes you can luck out. Sorry. That was inappropriate. But then you end up with a judge pulled out of retirement who also has collusion and conflicts of interest. Right. Oh, it's terrible. It, it's like it's like an entangled web of of these individuals that that just, uh, that there's so much collusion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's the old boys club, and they think that their immediate needs for their reputation is more important than the safety and welfare of your children.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can definitely attest to that.
1: Yeah, and um, I think you were involved with that gentleman. Um, part of what prompted today's interview, too, I think, was the um, case where the gentleman was making that report to the FBI.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: I actually spoke with um, the um, the public corruption um, FBI agent in my area. This was his comment. So I told him that my ex now has four CPS indications and everything I've been telling all along is the truth. And here we go. And you know what the, you know, the FBI agent said to justify why the kids are still with their, with their father. Well, not everything you alleged has been indicated.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yep. That was Luke Humphrey, just so everybody knows. And that is what he said. So the kids should stay with the abusive parent until every allegation is proven true.
0: Uh, that's what they did to me too. <laughs> and it took, you know, it, that, the thing is, and I don't know if people understand this, but like if you're indicated with something, you have to file an appeal and that goes to a CPS. We'll say judge. But you have to wait for a date for that. So that could be six months out. And then when he reaches his decision, that could be another, you know, three to, three to four months, we'll say. Or if you're lucky, one to two.
1: <laughs> but for my ex, who knows, it might be a couple of days.
0: Mm-hmm. No disparate treatment there hmm. And for an FBI agent to say that to you is, you know, people used to look up to the FBI and have a high respect for them. And I've seen that go downhill. Yeah. Rapidly.
1: Yeah. All the Russians, all the Russians, yeah. but our own children. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. yeah i think i think the neglect of our own children um we're creating not we or you but they are creating a big mess for these kids as they become adults
1: yeah but that's what that's what feeds the system and justifies their jobs mhm the messier it is the more cps can take the kids mhm And then you can farm them out to this person and that person and their whole racket. And it's job security for centuries to come if they harm the current generation and the next generation.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I just interviewed a gentleman whose ex had the kids taken away and there were some charges. And what they did was they didn't even give the kids to him like they should have. So they also gave him the same charges that she has. I give up. What is going on with this? Other than, you know, I I keep saying they should be abolished, but.
1: I think they started trying to do something like that to me because um, there was a false report made in my name,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but I went down to the police and I reported it. Um, and that was very hard to do. They don't want to take a report, um, involving CPS. So I had to say to the cap, you know, you need to accept this report. Cause if you don't, your court is attached to your police station here. And I'm going to go next door and then I'm going to file a complaint against you for not taking my complaint. And he was fighting me and fighting me, and I said, "Okay, you know what else they did in New York State? They made it discoverable all prior discipline of every single police officer in this station." And I'm going to file, I'm going to foil for that right now too, Mm
0: -hmm. or
1: you're going to take my complaint. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot of work, but he took my complaint because I think that that's what they were going to try and do is come after me um, with a false report made in my name.
0: That's scary. Cause it was a report. I definitely did not make. So someone called in a report under your name. <laughs> mm. Yeah. and It's probably someone who knows somebody that did that obviously. Yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of personality disorders out there that just serve no earthly purpose.
1: You can't trust the system.
0: Mm-mm, mm-mm,
1: You can't trust the system. You know, anyone that's about to enter this system, file for divorce or custody or who hasn't entered it before, pray to God that people do actually get a decent judge and justice is served. Um, But there's so many, so many. My situation is not really that special.
0: But it's really unique that, you know, your ex is an attorney and then there's four indications on him all at the same time, four at the same time.
1: Well, and that's, that's the thing, right? Because prior CPS indications were maintained by his um, former employer in Niagara County. And those prior CPS inv- investigations, they said that choking, stopping breathing and strangulation is appropriate caregiver with no safety concerns. So when they referred to an outside county, then you have four CPS indications. What does that say? Unfortunately, when an outside county makes indications, the policy is that for an Article 10 or a neglect petition, it goes back to the home district, his employer.
0: Hmm.
1: People who didn't watch my prior interview with you should also know that for Niagara County CPS in New York, um, you know, they knowingly hired a, um, man who was a known sex offender who, um, pled out from a situation so that he wouldn't have to register as a sex offender. I think when he was 16 or 17, he raped a 14 year old girl in a school hallway. And, um, uh, That's who they knowingly hired. It's public information, what he did. Um, They knowingly hired Nicholas D'Angelo as a CPS attorney. And I tell people, what would happen if you hired Pablo Escobar to drive a Brinks truck? There'd go a lot of money missing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you think happens when you hire a sex offender to work for CPS? So... Right now, he's currently indicted on 12 felony charges of rape. Um, Somehow, one disappeared magically by the judge who um, was assigned his case in Niagara County. Um, And my ex worked for the same position as this gentleman. So my children disclosed sex abuse, too. So what's going on with the attorneys that they're hiring for Niagara County CPS in New York?
0: This is all, and everyone has been saying this this is all massive child trafficking in one form or another. Granted, you know, like your kids aren't in foster care, but they're still getting abused. That's still a form of trafficking. You know, and, and there you are, you know, the physician assistant, and you're being treated like this. I'm a physician assistant, and my children
1: are in the custody of a man indicated for lack of medical care. <laughs> among other things he's indicated for.
0: That's always something I worried about when my kids, when he had, he always had custody of my kids, not always, but when they were about 14, 15 is when all everything happened. But, you know, I was the last to know, for instance, when my youngest broke his leg in gym class, I get a call from
1: friends. So hurtful. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they they make you the last to know on purpose to hurt you. Mm
0: -hmm. Very hurtful. And then when he went to get his cast off, Couple months later, and uh, I just—he had told me to be there at four thirty. Kind of odd that you know, finally he kind of wants a co-parent here and there.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were gone at four thirty because what doctors' offices?
0: Yeah. So I told. Luckily, my husband was laid off. My current husband, I said, we have to leave now. He says, but it's three thirty. The appointment is until four thirty. I said, (laughs) I have a feeling. So we get there at, at. right at like 10 to four or so. And there he, there's my child on a crutch without, well, his coat was open. I guess he was wearing a coat, but it was not zipped up. It's pounding down snow. So he was waiting for his dad to park car. And in my opinion, I mean, I always worried about my kids. I would not leave him unattended. Standing in a public area where there's a lot of traffic. I know that area. And so I, got out of the car and I stood with him and waited for everyone in the lobby. We walked in the lobby and waited and we all rode up in the elevator, very silent ride right up there. And then when I saw him get his cast taken off, the stepmother wrote on the top of the cast where I could never, ever see it. Cause when my son would come over, he always wore long sweatpants and on the top of the cast, it said, Get well soon, love, mum. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to deal with, and and you are also dealing with much awful things as as well. You know, I don't know. You know, how to advise people when they have these really crazy personality disorders to deal with.
1: Many of us would still be married if the spouse didn't have a personality disorder. Right. You know, and they shame people after divorce for not getting along. Mm. Mm -mm. If we could get along, we'd still be married. Some people get divorced and they can be friends after Mm -hmm. that's not the kind of person I am. Mm -hmm. If you can be friends after divorce, in my mind, you should still be married Mm -hmm. for your kids. The way I was raised and what I was brought up was Mm -hmm. divorce was an extreme remedy. And you don't just do it because you can't get along. You figure out how to get along for your kids, Mm -hmm. you know, Other people are entitled to their own opinion. But the reason I'm saying this, because there's a lot of women or partners who feel the way I do, that divorce is an extreme remedy, not, oh, we just can't get along and figure it out. Divorce to me is there's something really wrong here.
0: Right. And um, I don't know how old your kids were when your divorce took place
1: so i filed in you ready
0: okay
1: i filed in may of 2013
0: (laughs) oh my that's
1: that's how long this has been going on that's how long it's taken me to go through eight or nine judges
0: oh my god
1: and they were all either recused on their own or for cause the first one um who did a lot of damage. Um, uh, My ex admitted under deposition that he appeared before that judge regularly several hundred times. So there's the familiarity.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And um, the judge said to my attorney and she supplied an affirmation that judge clock told her that he knows my ex personally and doesn't and prejudged the case and doesn't think he did the things as alleged. The very, actually, the very first judge wasn't on the case very long, Catherine Nugent Penapento. She uh, signed ex parte orders for my ex um, that he could take my daughter to school. The problem was, is he couldn't take my daughter to school because she had these temper tantrums exclusive to him. And um, Hmm. that judge had to be taken off the case because her law clerk, her confidential law clerk, um, was a client of my ex's attorney. Now, none of these people are self-disclosing this. This you have to find out on your own. Uh, The next Mm -hmm. judge, Sarah Sheldon, her law clerk worked with my ex as a Niagara County public defender. And um, I I got a hold of texts between the two of them um, discussing marriage and custody issues together in a negative light. Um, so that judge had to recuse, although she already ordered my house to be sold and half the, um, proceeds sent to my ex, even though he hadn't made a payment on the mortgage for five years. Um, the next judge was Daniel Furlong and he's the judge that told me to shut my mouth and I won that appeal. Um, Mm -hmm. He called my children's counselors ex parte and told them to ignore any past or ongoing medical evidence of abuse.
0: Oh, he is going to hell.
1: Then the next judge is the one that precluded me from filing because I'm meritless and frivolous. Even though he is aware that the abuse allegations are substantiated. Um, the other judges all recused on their own. That was judge Frank Caruso. That was judge, um, Gariano. That was judge Restino and judge Delabio. They all recused on their own without having to be asked. And they, um, put on their statements for, um, uh, recusal that they were not able to be assigned the case because of their familiarity with my ex. So, when you have judges that are putting in writing that they cannot appear, they can't be assigned a case because of their familiarity with my ex, then what are all these orders that were written by other judges that were equally or more familiar with my ex? What are those orders?
0: I am so sorry. Oh my goodness. There's no morals or ethics with these people.
1: Well, yes to the people that did recuse when they're supposed to.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We have to give credit where there's credit due
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because we want to encourage judges to do the right thing when they're called to do it.
0: But for the most part, from what I've seen, They just don't.
1: Well, this is a saying, and I say it often, and I said it in my last interview with you too, conflict of interest can exist without corruption, but corruption cannot exist without conflict of interest. In other words, if you worked in a business and your sister was hired and you're her boss, you could do the right thing and fire her if you're supposed to. So that's conflict of interest, but the right thing is happening. So conflict of interest can exist without corruption, but corruption is absolutely dependent on conflict of interest. So when you have judges that are maintaining conflict of interest situations, like Niagara County CPS right now is maintaining investigations on their own former employee when they mishandled investigations in the past and called strangulation appropriate caregiver. That's when corruption occurs. So for people that are listening and maybe they're earlier in their situation, if things are not going right, chances are, if you look deep enough, you'll find the conflict of interest.
0: You know, and I feel sorry for the people that are so upset and distraught that they can't wrap their head around trying to even look for, the, you know, the, the problems, the conflict of interest or the collusion.
1: So I'll tell some people places to start. Every state is different. Um, in New York State, on my Facebook group, Erie Niagara Dishonorable Honorables and Other Notorious Notables, I do have a post. Um, you can search the group. Um, all the places to scour, to look for conflict of interest, um, and, you know, prior, um, sen- you know, prior discipline and so forth. Um, so there's the office of professional discipline, there's election campaign contributions. You absolutely have to scour those, um, you know, do case search by attorney name and see what cases they're on. If there's anything, you know, that's ever involved, you know, your opponent um, or their counsel, um, you know, scour all these sites, um, you know, social workers, see if, you know, if they've ever been disciplined, see if their license is valid. Um, uh, attorneys in New York state, their discipline is on the internet online. You can search the attorney discipline and see, you know, if your attorney, if the judge, if those people were ever disciplined, it's on the internet, look for it. -hmm. Some things you aren't able to find, but some things when they're out there and they're right at your fingertips, then it's on us. If we didn't look for it.
0: Now with the, with the campaign uh, contributions, you know, um, what I mean, sometimes, okay, because I had an attorney, the opposing attorney, contribute, I think it was a $1,000 to the judge's daughter's judge campaign.
1: That in New York State would be a bad deal. And they just, um, so there's a couple of places where something like that would apply in New York State. I can't say for all states. But I know that there's recent litigation or legislation in the past couple of years that if any of the litigants donated more than a thousand dollars, that that's substantial. Um, Now uh, they have all sorts of tricky ways of donating to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, In my case, I know what happened, but it's not anything that I can do anything about. But um, my ex never made campaign contributions to anybody before divorce. There was like maybe one for $75 or something. Mm. Two months before divorce, he made an off cycle donation to the Niagara County GOP. Um, And the Senator at that time got in trouble for using campaign funds for his own personal use. So in essence, that was a $500 donation to cherry pick a judge and predetermine an outcome. And the judge that was assigned to my case, Judge Clock, got his position because of the senator. And when the pediatrician testified that he believed my children were sexually abused, the secretary to the judge sitting in the courtroom was that senator's wife.
0: Hmm.
1: So, um, and I think this just came up with this um santos in new york um see because now they're they're making this legislation if somebody donates a thousand dollars to the judge then they can't be assigned the case it's considered a conflict but what they do is they donate then to the actual party right so to the gop or to the democratic party whatever the judge belongs to so it's not in the judge's name but it's a donation to his party so that's harder to prove, but it's still the transfer of funds, and then you buy your your outcome. So, um, yeah, you got to watch though, because you might be lucky enough that it's like you said, right there, and then in New York State, there's judicial ethics. Um, there's New York State, um, the chief chief administrative judge uh, rules for. New York State for the judges, and if you read in there enough, there's actually where judges are supposed to disclose any donation greater than a hundred and fifty dollars.
0: Hmm.
1: So if they don't 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 disclose those donations, they're in violation
0: of ethics. Well, I would think they would donate more than five hundred to each other. You know, I would Solid think.
1: T- it's all, it took. all well, it took because they're happy to do this and you know i figure too um i figure too that um probably the transaction didn't go like hey my kids disclosed sex abuse so if i pay 500 dollars can you get this particular judge on the case probably how it went is yeah my wife she's really nasty and she's going to cause me a lot of problems Can you help me out here? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Hmm. And a lot of these people, you know, are, they have their own biases or hatreds or whatever you want to say, that they're happy to do something that's hurtful to women, or they're happy to do something that's hurtful to a certain race, whatever their, their hatred is
0: i just feel so bad you've been going through this since 2013
1: i don't look for people to feel bad for me and i don't feel bad for myself um because if i was feeling bad for myself this is a long time to feel bad for myself true Ten years. but yeah and and I'm not going to spend ten years sitting around feeling bad for myself. So at some point, this is horrible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I did go through that when it was fresh, when it was wrong, when it was new, when it was unexpected. I went through that, but it becomes your new normal, right? You know, my worst, my worst days when I felt the worst in the beginning when I, everything like was like I said it was raw fresh hitting unexpected unanticipated right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's one thing if someone took your kids and they went to a good home it's another thing when your kids to school is sex abuse to you and strangulation and you're forced to send your kids there right so adjusting to that's hard Mm -hmm. and those days I laugh because you you know you don't want to cry, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't feel sorry for myself. But those days, I spent a lot of time in the bathtub, mm-hmm. and I dunked cookies in milk, <laughs> and that was my way of feeling better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it was hard. It was hard, and um, I'd sit in the tub and be upset for so long. You know how there's that little trickle that I'd have to fill the tub with more water, mm-hmm. but but those days are over this is it's our new normal but there's blessings too when you go through trauma there are mm-hmm. and, and, and people might say like oh that's so terrible to say the reality is you would never wish suffering really on anybody even your worst enemy mm-hmm. not court not to the core suffering you, you don't wish that on people mm-hmm. but when you go through trauma And when you go through suffering, it reorganizes your priorities, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, you gain a lot more wisdom and there is, you know, people, they, they want to focus on the negative and focus on post-traumatic stress disorder, but there is post-traumatic growth. Mm
0: -hmm. There is. Yes.
1: And I've been able to help other people. Like you're doing, Marianne. You're mm-hmm. helping a lot of people with your show. No, thank you. You know, and um, there's there's blessings to suffering.
0: Mm-hmm. And like you said, when you're going through this, because um, my stuff started at the end of 2012, and it did finish up in twenty at the the end of 2021. Um. But um, that's because I went to federal court, (laughs) but that's a different story. But anyway, I mean, it went on that long and it was you get adjusted to the stress level. You do. And um, not to have like dark humor, but sometimes it gets to be fun. I know it sounds kind of weird, but it's like you have to play a mind game with yourself. Like, okay, I, I am the attorney now. What would I do? Well, he did that, and it turns into a chess game. Even though you know that they want you to lose, and, and they're setting you up to lose, especially in federal court, but, you know, God's going to deal with them. And that's the only satisfaction that I have is I have seen God deal with some of these people. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, you know, somebody, you know. A trait of people who are bad look for the immediate gratification.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And time brings out the truth. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's going to be many people who are listening to your show, and perhaps time is too slow for them, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: their truth may not come out in their lifetime. But truth always comes to light.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And Many of your listeners, truth will come to light in their lifetime. And yes, you will see people who um, are experiencing their karma. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because you can't do dirty like this and enjoy a wonderful life. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I agree with you.
1: I can put my head on my pillow at night.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you can too. You know, some people have said, well, gee, I, you know, I just want something bad to happen to that attorney or that whoever. And I said, don't worry, just give it to God. He's going sure to make sure. Yeah. God really, the, is, yes.
1: the, the healthiest and the safest place to be is not is not vindictive,
0: mm-hmm. is
1: not um, angry. Because you're staying angry in your head, you're the one that's losing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so you just keep doing your right thing. You just keep worrying about what you're doing Mm -hmm. and focus on your accountability to your children. The rest will take care of itself. Do I think about my ex-husband? No, no. Do I think about who he talks to where he is today? Mm -mm. No. Do I think I, you know, do I think of him like, Oh, I wish he would walk into a burning building. No. Cause I don't think of him.
0: Right. Right.
1: When I do think of him, it's when I'm writing legal papers mm-hmm. or when I'm texting him about access to our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't, is he dating someone? I don't go looking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could care less.
1: Right. Because that's really the healthiest place to be. Did he spend a hundred dollars on something? I don't care. I don't Yeah. Does he have $600 in his wallet right now? I don't care. You know, and that's the healthier place for people to exist going through this Mm -hmm. because if you're worried about those things, it's going, it's, the situation's already emotionally taxing enough as it is. Mm Mm-hmm. So you don't need to add that on top of everything you're going through to protect your kids.
0: Yeah. Why put the added stress? I mean, because when you're going through this, it is stressful. Any, anyway, even on a good day and you know, and you can take on health problems because of this, even if you're trying to handle it mentally. Okay. You know, like, uh, Responding to these individuals or not responding, you know, uh, and taking care of yourself, you can still get sick from all this. That, that's how toxic the this family court system is.
1: Right. So, you know, you absolutely have to. You absolutely have to fractionate yourself in a way that you are not um, expending energy in places unnecessarily
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it's going to take enough energy as it is to do all the things you need to do. And you still probably won't have enough energy to do all the things you need to do. So you certainly don't need to be expending emotions and energy and distress in unnecessary aspects,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which goes back to again, trauma teaching you how to prioritize. hmm
0: and also you know finding some hobby yes that you can get back into like uh, even a cheap hobby like watercolor painting absolutely I, I was always afraid to do that and then i found out it was really easy to do <laughs> it's really easy i was always afraid that it would just the paint would go everywhere and it'd be sloppy mess but you know it taught me to be even more patient
1: you should put some of your watercolors in the background of your studio. I should
0: well, I've got I've got that one. That that's an, all right. It, that's an oil, but um, it's the great Zambezi River. And you did that? Yeah. You I did, did that in 2015 when all the hell was going down. <laughs> I don't know why, but my one friend was saying, try oils. They're more vibrant, they're more fun. I'm like, I'm afraid of them. But I did it
1: oils you can fix your mistake a lot easier
0: yes yes very correctable yes (laughs) oh my goodness I'm but you're
1: right you're right about hobbies because um again I'm a physician assistant (laughs) and that aspect you know I always tell people the three most important things to longevity let's see if I can remember this all just right off the top of my head number one is your support network it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be blood family But a good support network of friends, family, people around you. Number two is a hobby. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You need something that gets you out of bed in the morning, gets you to put your feet on the floor and get going. Some people, their hobby is their grandchildren. Some people, their hobby is oil painting, acrylic. Some people, their hobby is reading, you know, but you absolutely need a hobby and something that keeps you going. Something that also um, allows you to distract yourself from ruminating too much. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, your healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, how you eat and how you exercise um, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, your home is your sanctuary where you can go. And, um, and if your home isn't a safe place that you do have a safe place, if it's your church, if it's your friend's house or something like that, somewhere mm-hmm. safe to go because, if you're in your own home and your brain is in flight or fright all the time, mm-hmm. that's going to have an impact on your mortality. So you absolutely need a safe place. And if you can't be safe in your own home, you need a safe place somewhere. Definitely. Absolutely. Yep. Those three things. Those are the people that I always saw doing the best and living mm-hmm. the longest. Um, you know, the people that retire and then they sit on the bark Lounge and they watch the news all day. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's not good. Hobby. Yeah. You need a hobby. And at the casinos with the smoke-filled environment, you need a real hobby.
0: And and get up and move around, walk around. Yes. Yeah, yeah. sometimes it's easier said than done because there, there were many days I, I slept on the couch. I've to admit that, you know, I mean, because I was just worn out. These people were wearing me out. It was like you're in court and you're dealing with a bunch of three-year-olds, <laughs> you know,
1: it is <laughs> It is, and I'm going to tell you the medical industry is not much different right when I when I became when I first became a physician assistant the most shocking thing to me was how some of the physicians behaved worse than kids in the sandbox together
0: <laughs> yeah
1: because <laughs> people a lot of times don't know how to handle their position of authority and their money that they bring in they don't know how to handle it and conduct themselves properly with it and mm-hmm. then they get themselves into trouble
0: yeah and um god knows how they behave at home right. you know, like when i worked in the er we we all got along because one thing it, there's always something bad happening in the next room and we all had to help each other right And that's a different atmosphere than like working on the floor because the floor, you had your own patients, but in the ER, we we were all in it together. And, you know,
1: I know, you know, honestly, I think when you work in medicine and working in medicine, I think was probably a blessing for you mm -hmm. and especially from your history in ER, because I noticed for myself, that history allowed me in the face of severe trauma to Mm -hmm. not go, right. you focus because if you're, you're, if you're in a critical moment and you're coding a patient or something, you're not all over the place. Your brain is trained to go right to focus mm-hmm. and your brain is trained to figure out how to strategize mm-hmm. the next move, the next drug, the, the next thing you're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So I found that very helpful going through this and hope, you know, I think probably it did for you if you worked in the ER too. But one thing about working in medicine, I think, is you need to have thick skin because healthcare is very controversial and somebody can have a huge opinion on one side and somebody can have a huge opinion on the other side, what should be done, what's right for the patient, was the conduct proper or, so you know, and, um, but, but you can, you have these opposing opinions, but you're respectful to each other and you still come to work the next day and you function as a team.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And you put your differences aside and you work together and you still come together as a team and keep it together and keep it going. So that's there among your coworkers, but, but the physicians this, that's, that was so shocking to me. <laughs> emerging as if phys- I'm like, wait, wait, they didn't teach us about this in PA school. They didn't t- teach us the, Whoa, look at these personalities here. And, and, and I'm not saying that that's across the board either because I'll tell you some physicians that I worked with so wonderful mm-hmm. that I would work with them for a whole lot less money because that in itself was, was so valuable to me to work with somebody that was wonderful.
0: Oh yes. But. yeah, Good crew, good teams, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you came on. Um, is there anything else you would like to add or any other piece of advice that you Maybe. Well, you
1: know how I feel about court watching. Uh-huh. And I think that that's really something that needs to grow. And I've found that it's really hard to recruit others who have been through the system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They know how bad it is. They know what to look out for in the courts. But the situation, I think, is so overwhelming for people that, that they're struggling with their own issues that it's hard for them to go back in and then start watching out for others, or especially if they get their kids back, do they really want to go back in the courtrooms and endanger what they just finally got back? Mm -hmm. So um, I find, you know, of course I still approach people who are victims and try and teach them to court watch, but Mm -hmm. you know, it needs to be taught to churches, to Mm -hmm. organizations um, you know, committees and so forth they need to get in the courts and start watching because a lot of these judges wouldn't do what they've done. If people were watching them and you can't just watch, you have to file non-party witness affidavits or declarations to the case about what you saw, because that is how you restore the courts to the public instead of the government for the government and by the government. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're, if you're in a bad situation teach your church, teach you know whatever organization you belong with, um, teach your friends, teach your family how to go in and be court watchers mm-hmm. and be there for each other. Really, as victims and so forth of the system, if people helped you get through, you should be helping those behind you too. You right. really should. Right, And you should make it a priority even though it's hard.
0: Definitely. Even it, like if you're watching Zoom and you've been through this hell before and you're watching someone get berated, especially if if you're watching a pro se litigant get berated by a judge, like I was watching down in Miami Dade, it was a scene from hell. I like was, I was just going like, like, I just, you know, if it's it's that upsetting, walk out of the room for five minutes, go back in. Right. You know, um, but at least be there, be a presence because people need this. And when I was going through this, my friends really couldn't help me because they were all working full time. Right. People just couldn't drop what they were doing and be in there every five minutes because that's what you know, you're know you being dragged into because you're dealing with a personality disorder.
1: But again, that's why it's good to kind of go to the churches, too, because there's a lot of retired community in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and people that do have time to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and virtual watching is becoming a little bit of a thing now, too. And so you don't mm-hmm. have to necessarily take off from work and you can just put your phone by you and um you know go along in your work day and it's just kind of playing there. Um so there's 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 ways. And the other thing too, um, you know, just so people um can hear and understand too. Um I you know I've been I've been in this situation for ten years. I don't expect any of my friends to, you know, suddenly study and know what I had to learn about the law and mm-hmm. catch up with me. But you know, so your friends and people they They, they can't know to be able to help you write your papers or anything, you know, but Mm -hmm. what they can do is they can come in and help you clean your house. They can come in and cook dinner for you once in a while. They can get you gift cards for meals Mm -hmm. because those times that you don't have to do those things for yourself are the times that you can use to put effort into your case or into cases where you're helping people. And you have to help people. You absolutely have to help people because what I have come to learn, and I didn't start helping people because I wanted this to happen. I helped people because I didn't want them to experience what I did. But when I started helping people, you learn something from each case you help with, Mm -hmm. and then it helps you for yourself. Mm -hmm. So not only is it the right thing to do, but when you do the right thing, the right thing will happen for you. And Mm -hmm. helping others is right, and it will help you too.
0: Well, I remember one evening I had a pile of my legal papers everywhere and I was trying to organize everything by date. And my friend Tina popped over and she's looking at all this paperwork on the floor and I'm trying to put it into the file as to when dates occurred. Is there anything I can do? I said, really, there's nothing you can do. But at least she was there. Right. And just sitting there and just going, oh, my God. You Yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You know, again, somebody cut my lawn for me or something. Uh, It was such, you know, a huge relief because then I can work on my own papers
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or somebody else's, you know. Definitely. Well, um, I won't keep you all evening, but when people want to reach you, they should go to Erie Niagara Dishonorable Honorables on Facebook and hope for children on Facebook and lock keeper court watcher on Facebook, as well as hashtag be loud state watcher on Facebook. Is it state watch or state watcher?
1: So that's, that's a group is be loud state watchers. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep. And I'm on
1: there as a a moderator. Um, so yeah, if they, they go on there, they'll find me and, um, you know, I, I do, I try to help people where I can. There's a lot of people that need help. And so yes, I sometimes know. you can give a little, sometimes you can give a lot, it just depends on,
0: you know, what's going on, but definitely. Well, I definitely want to have you back on Stacy because I mean your wealth of knowledge. And well, uh,
1: you know, there's, there's a lot coming up. There's a lot of changes too, in my case. So hopefully um, soon, my next uh, appearance in court is March 23rd. Mm-hmm. Um, at 3 p.m. So hopefully somewhere down the road there, I'll have some good news for you and people who um, have decided to actually do the right things now.
0: Hmm. Is that going to be on zoom accessible or.
1: Um, I'm not sure. And frankly, I'm not even so. Um, uh, sold on the date, you know, because oh, okay. I'm sure they'll try and postpone this and do that. And this time isn't convenient or that time. Yeah. So. I'm sure as time gets closer, that'll probably even be changed.
0: Continuances. Yeah. Typical. Well, thank you for everything. And don't jump off. Okay. Thank you for having me. Most definitely. And you will be back. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Join us again here with Stacy and other exciting guests in the future. Thank you so very much, Stacy, for coming back on. It's an honor. Thank you.